0: Hi. Hey. Welcome to The Cordial Catholic. A podcast for non-Catholics, new Catholics, those looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm Kay Albert Little, an evangelical convert to Catholicism, and this podcast is born out of one particular idea. See, it began for me when a pastor I was working for asked me the question, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? That question, a new question to me, led me on a deep dive into the history of my faith, my particular faith tradition, my, my branch of Christianity, the history of, of that church and the wider church, the Bible, and all things in between. And it was there that I encountered the Catholic Church, really for the first time, in its own words. And it was then that I realized that when I thought I knew what Catholics actually believed, well, it was based on misinformation and more often than not on simple misunderstandings. Well, this show seeks to do that same thing, to fill in that same gap. The gap between what do you think Catholics believe and what we actually do. Each week I have a real Catholic thinker talking about a real Catholic topic from the heart of the Catholic Church. No misinformation here. And this week, an absolutely fantastic episode to bring you, friends, I am joined by YouTuber, <laughs> longtime blogger, <laughs> active Twitter, uh, uh, tweeter, and a fantastic human being, wonderful Catholic saint in the making, Mike Wilson. It's <laughs> a wonderful conversation, a whole lot of fun. Mike's story is is interesting. It's authentic. It's amazing. It's a great one and asks and answers some pretty fantastic questions. I think you'll love it. Mike's a wonderful guy. I I can't say enough about how much I enjoy this conversation and how long I waited to have it. We had it in the books for a while and gosh, it couldn't have come any sooner. It's a great time. I think you'll love it. This conversation and others are brought to you by our patrons and our our one-time donors at PayPal.me and at patreon.com slash Catholic. You guys who listened to the show for a long time. know this is not my full-time job. It takes money and, and time and resources to do this thing. And it's, it, in a large part, an exercise in trust, honestly, week after week, that we can do this and pay the bills, and not take on actually extra jobs to be able to afford to live in our house and feed our kids and run this podcast. And so this really does help to make things happen, your support helps me, enables me and us as a family to keep this ministry, this apostolate, this podcast going. So if you feel led to support the show in any way, please consider doing that. Those links are in the show notes and your support is definitely needed, felt, and a blessing to, to us, to me, and to listeners to this show so we can keep it going. So thank you in advance. And now, without any further ado, my absolutely off-the-rails conversation with my new good friend, Mike Wilson. Please listen and enjoy. Hey friends, welcome back. Uh, Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being here today. Uh, We're going to have an absolute fantastic time. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already, please. And uh, also the YouTube channel, like these videos, share them around. So somebody watches them, that would be fantastic. And we would love that. Uh, I'll give you a peek, listener, uh, viewer, behind the the curtain a little bit here. Uh, This is, for me, uh, you may know this, not a full-time job. I I work a full day's work. I, I come here, I do this in the studio sometimes. Um... A couple times a week, and it's sometimes exhausting when I come here and sit down and get things going, and I'm tired. And it's when I encounter uh, someone like my guest this week that I I come here and I just want to lean into a conversation like this and just. Enjoy this, and uh, not only be woken up again from feeling a bit sleepy in the evening, but recharged in my faith, in my my walk with Christ, in the, in the purpose and point of doing this thing week after week, and bringing you guys these conversations. And I'm talking about my guest this week, who's Mike Wilson. And I'm going to read for you. I asked Mike, and I do this. I'll, again, peek behind the curtain a little bit. I do this from time to time. I ask a guest to send me a little bio if they don't have a strong, huge internet presence or haven't written 10 books and have this professionally polished biography, which, surprisingly, Mike uh, doesn't have one out there readily to find. So I asked Mike to write me something. I'm going to read you what he wrote because I think it's fantastic. Just as he wrote it, and Mike... (laughs) Thank you. My guest is Mike Wilson. He is an adopted son of God Most High, a sinner redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a Catholic YouTuber, a Knight of Columbus, and an active member of his parish. He is a cradle Catholic who grew up in the stereotype of the church in the 1980s and 90s in the U.S., sacramentalized but never evangelized, and very poorly catechized, lukewarm without any real relationship with the Lord. The Lord himself shepherds his sheep in often mysterious ways and in college an encounter with evangelical christianity and its incompatibility with the creed helped to prompt an affirmative decision for catholic christianity and set him on the path to becoming the bewhiskered dynamo i'm speaking with today (laughs) mike wilson thank you so much for being here this is going to be an absolute thrill welcome to the show and hello
1: hello Keith how are you today
0: I'm getting better Mike I'm getting I'm better glad to hear it. <laughs> this
1: is fantastic
0: <laughs> from time to time I-, I loved doing this show I shouldn't mm-hmm. I shouldn't be so uh, negative Nancy as a begin begin right? I-, I am being honest and I often don't don't pull back the curtain quite that far to let listeners and viewers in on, on some of the, the, the trade secrets but I'm <laughs> I'm I have a lot of guests in the show Mike and I love them all they're all fantastic guests but I don't know that I can think of someone that I've had on the calendar for a while and looked forward to as much as I looked forward to our conversation. Mike, you're a guy. You're a real guy. You're the real deal. And I'm our you know, we've been talking a bit before I hit record and and already I'm I'm thrilled to have you here and I think that listeners will love this conversation. And I'm just so stoked to talk to you. Uh, oh, this will be a, kind. Yeah, this will be a lot of fun, and I'm not normally kind. So I so already see things are going in the right direction, Mike. The cordial name is an aspirational title. Nothing to do with my actual personality. My my wife will will attest to her sainthood is is immeasurably it's
1: it's secured at this point, Mike. What it's you know, the the cordial Catholic, not the kind Catholic. That's true. That's true. The, the We're cordial. Yes. We're very Formal. We're very polite. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a pretense, Mike. It's just a pretense.
1: No, no. Like you said, it's aspirational.
0: <laughs> it's just Canadian <laughs> uh Mike you got a story you you have a story to tell you you do and I want to hear a bit about it you do all kinds of things uh I think you're a very fascinating character the the, the bewis- aside like
1: a living cartoon yeah
0: yeah yeah pretty much so far so I think what I want to do for this episode is is let I want to step back and let, and let you kind of tell your story. From birth, from moment of conception, perhaps, or, or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not moments before. It's good I, well, to get. I'll tell you what
1: I remember, but was, it's very little.
0: Yeah, and, and go forward a little bit because I've heard – we talked a while ago when I was looking for guests for the show, and you humbly offered your, your neck and sacrifice to perhaps be on the show. Doesn't say that humble, but yeah. Y- you were <laughs> – I guess so. You you were very uh, you're very circumspect and, and very much like I don't know if I have a story to tell, but but you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. And you shared with me an episode that you, where you'd appeared on another podcast and a while back and told a bit of your, a bit of your story. I, I don't know that I've burned so many pancakes on a Saturday morning listening to a podcast while trying to make the kids breakfast, as I did that Saturday morning, Mike, because your story was so captivating and you are a fantastic storyteller. And it felt like a little bit of a putting up the tent poles revival mission when I listened to to your story. I really got inspired. So I'm happy to step back and let you do that again here. Uh, tell us more. We have a we have a lot of time here and, and space and I wanna then dig into some stuff as we unpack things and I want you to tell us how to fix the church at, at the end of the at the end of the conversation. Easy peasy. Yeah, yeah. I figure you can you can handle it. Like, so tell us, take us back a bit and tell us the the origins of, of the Mike Wilson as we uh, encounter him today, perhaps.
1: Well, the first thing is I'm very grateful for this opportunity only because I've listened to, you know, I'm not going to say that every episode of The Cordial Catholic you have an extensive catalog, but I've listened to a lot of episodes of The Cordial Catholic and you have had some really big hitters On this show. Like Mike Wilson. Well, uh, well, no, I mean, come on. Dr. Douglas (laughs) Beaumont, our brother in Christ, Keith Nestor, people with just tremendous stories. But, and so as I I very much like a joke that Patrick Madrid tells, where he is the token cradle Catholic in the apologetics (laughs) movement. So I'm, I'm glad to be a cradle Catholic on a show principally about conversion, only because every one of us is in need of constant and ongoing conversion. So here we go. (laughs) I was born in a religiously divided household. My mom is a cradle Catholic, the daughter of Irish Catholics. My father is a nominal Presbyterian, the son of wasps. So, White Anglo-Saxon Protestants. They were even from New England. They got My mother and father got <laughs> married in the early 1970s at a very interesting time in the church where my, my maternal grandfather had had to convert to Catholicism in order to marry my maternal grandmother. So this boy from a little holla in Kentucky, a place so remote that there is no town. We can just tell you what county it's in. So really from the the backwoods, he married an Irish Catholic girl from Iowa. He had to convert. I've got his rosary today. It's lovely. But when my parents got married several decades later, there was no requirement that my father convert. And manifestly, he did not. (sighs) So I have an older sister. I have a younger brother. We're all being brought up in that glorious time known as the 1980s (laughs) when good was good. Evil was evil. G.I. Joe was awesome. And we presumed that Ronald Reagan would be president forever because no one else ever had been. (laughs) The 1988 presidential election was a big shock to me. Like, huh, someone else could be president. (laughs) Uh, I once actually got to hear uh, Brian Mulroney give a speech at U of M. That was exciting. Hey. Yeah. So as as a kid, we went to mass almost every Sunday. And we were sent to... First, CCD, uh, just, you know, know, Sunday school. And then later, it was given the name Lyft, Learning in Faith Together, (laughs) (laughs) which was great. But there was always a tension because I really liked school. I mean, really liked school. I got really good grades. I liked going. It was fantastic. It was something at which I excelled. But I didn't like Sunday school. It it didn't engage me. It didn't interest me. And I didn't see the relevance of it. Now, I never want to condemn my parents when I say this, but we didn't pray in the home. And we were not taught to say, um, might say any kind of prayer before we went to bed at night. We weren't blessed in the morning. We would say grace before meals, maybe three times a year at Thanksgiving, Christmas and Easter. And the rest of the time, we wouldn't even say grace before eating. And there was never a satisfactory answer to the question, hey, mom how come we have to get up and go to church on sunday morning and dad gets to stay home it's not that there was an inadequate answer the the question was just brushed aside so i don't grow up with a good deal of faith but i'm a good kid so i do everything that i'm supposed to i go through all of the catholic milestones that you're supposed to go to go through you know i make my first confession I have no idea what my sins were. Um, I received the Eucharist. I continue to receive the Eucharist many times. In in the fullness of time, I'm confirmed, which is a ridiculous adventure in and of itself. But I had a profound experience during my confirmation that I was utterly ill-equipped to handle. I had a very palpable experience of the presence of God. There is real power in the sacraments, and I believe that to this day. So for the first time in my life, I had a firm belief in God. I wasn't just it wasn't just words that I repeated because I was told, you know, okay, we're gonna pray now. Oh, okay, I, is there a God? I don't know. what's on TV. Finally, I knew that there was a God. But about this same time, the reasons that I still don't quite understand. My father told me something. And this is a verbatim quote. There may be a supreme being, but it sure as hell isn't the Judeo-Christian God. Only years later have I appreciated the profound irony in that statement. (laughs) Oh, as sure as hell. Well, okay, that's, that's an interesting turn of phrase. But like most boys, my father was, un, unbeknownst to me, my hero. He was my idol. He was the model for everything that a man is meant to be. And my idol told me that there is no God. But I had experienced him. And my zit-covered face did not have any idea how to reconcile those two things. And so for a very long time, I was in turmoil. So there is no better thing to do when you're in turmoil than go to a large public university and spend tens of thousands (laughs) of dollars a year in tuition and be off on your own fairly unsupervised. So I graduated. I was like school. I graduated. I went to the prestigious University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Go blue. (laughs) And while I was there, I would go to church because that is what one does. I was very fortunate in that the local student parish, St. Mary, right on campus, was very close to my dorm. So on most Sunday mornings, I would arise, I would get dressed, I would walk over to St. Mary's, and I would sit through a fairly unrecognizable to me mass. Because St. Mary's was... I didn't have a category for it then, but it was a very Protestantized looking church. It's a very plain white structure on the inside. There is a paucity of detail. There, There aren't shrines to the saints, there aren't stained glass windows was just a plain white structure. And I like a I like an explosion of color. And the music wasn't provided by an organ as it was in my home parish. Now I'm I'm not at all educated in what the church teaches us about music. I don't know what is proper and what is not. I didn't know then that the church preferred the organ because it simulates the human voice as being a a wind Instrument instead of a percussion instrument. I had no idea. I just knew in my home parish, they played organ, and so that's what church was like. And I get to St. Mary's, and there's hippies playing guitars. (laughs) What is going on? And we all know what communion is like. Communion is the same every time. You get the magic little wafer that somehow doesn't give off any crumbs at all, it's just those things are amazing. They're thin, and again, at the time, sure, maybe on some level I knew that this became the body, blood, and soul and divinity of our Lord, but I received communion because you're supposed to. And at St. Mary's, they didn't have the wafer. Instead, what the bread which became the body and blood of our Lord was a loaf that was then um, torn up, and you would Take a piece. So, in my turmoil, I don't really understand what's going on at St. Mary's. And so, less and less do I go. And so, now, I didn't. <laughs> At this point in time, I had never had a one-on-one conversation with a priest in my life. So I didn't do what would now seem to be the obvious thing, which was go there on a weekday and try to make an appointment with Father to ask him, hey, what's up? Am I not understanding what's going on? Am I wrong? What is happening? This seems very strange to me. Never even occurred to me. So I just stopped haunting the halls of St. Mary's. But... I'd stopped looking for the Lord, but the Lord had only just started looking for me. Because then, as now, my favorite film, the greatest movie ever made, is The Blues Brothers, starring John Belushi, may he rest in peace, and Dan Aykroyd. And it's, a, it's a fantastic Catholic film. It's about two sinners doing the will of God imperfectly, but ultimately his will be done. And I mean they face um, they face certain obstacles, they face temptations. the Lord saves them from temptation and they you know they, they then suffer but still having done his will. It's not perfect theology, but it's very good <laughs> theology. I will defend that as long as I live. So the Blues Brothers had the, the characters had prison tattoos. And so I had, as many students do, a work-study job. I don't know if you have the same system in Canada, but in the U.S., part of your um, part of your tuition assistance comes in the form of they pay you if you have a certain job. And the university is like, oh, great. We'll hire this kid because we don't even have to pay his salary. So I had a job in rec sports where people come and they go to the gym and they check out equipment. So I'm working in one of the buildings and I'm checking out towels and balls and all kinds of fun stuff and i sit up there for hours and hours you know several times a week and i could be studying that would be a very good use of my time because i had tough classes instead i chose to draw prison tattoos on my hand (laughs) so just as jake as jake on his knuckles i would write mike and i would draw the little cross that they have on their hand you know just just purely imitating what I'd seen. At that time, I had a little soul patch and I had the sideburns. It was great. One day, I'm at work and a man comes up. Never seen him before. And he asked me a very interesting question. He says to me, without introducing himself, no pretext, no preliminaries, just, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? and I didn't know. I knew that I was a sinner. This is, this is the turn of the millennium. Um, I'm all too frequently looking at pornography. I know that my life isn't right. I know that it's not in accordance with God's will, but I have no idea what I would do to get right with him. Complicated things like go to confession and stop sinning. <laughs> not, not the brightest bulb. <laughs> but I, 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 had, I had not read Augustine. I still haven't read Augustine. So I didn't know about the message of nada. I didn't know about various theories. I never heard of universalism. But I was fairly confident that not everybody goes to heaven. So if I died that day, would I go to heaven? And this man, for our purposes, uh, we'll just call him Frank. Frank tells me that he can give me the answer and it can be yes. So we, we chat a little more and I say, well, you know, yadda yadda what do you, oh, I'm, well, I'm, I'm Catholic and, oh, oh that's interesting. I used to be Catholic. Like, huh? Well, that's that's okay. That's that's interesting. He goes, yeah, actually, my 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 first initials are FX. Do you know what that stands for? I'm I'm not a very well versed Catholic, but even I know that FX can only mean Francis Xavier. Well, so I. I say that, I say, Francis Avery says, very good. And I feel very good about (laughs) myself. Frank was very good at putting people at their ease. And so Frank invites me to come with him to his church. And I say, well, I have no reason to say no. So, sure. No, but that time, I'm very good at making excuses and I duck him for a little bit. But after a couple of weeks, I do go with Frank to his church, which is very strange because it wasn't a church. It was it, it, was, it was a lecture hall on campus where they would set up a band and they would play with the lights and it was my first experience with what I later came to know as praise and worship music. I hated it then. <laughs> I hate it less now, but it, it's not my favorite. <laughs> but even more than the weird, weird vibe at St. Mary's, I really didn't like this church. This this wasn't church to me. Now, I mean, I I don't mean that as an affront to anyone who grew up in such a church, anyone who still attends such a church. I had an extremely limited understanding then of the many different ways to do church. But the really strange thing was, as repulsed or repelled as I was by their liturgy, I was still found Frank and his arguments very compelling. Because Frank said that if, if I prayed the sinner's prayer and I gave my life over to Jesus, that there is nothing that could then separate me from him. I could be saved. I could be assured, 100% certain, that no matter what happened, I would go to heaven. So I can't get on board with Frank's church, but I'm totally intrigued by this promise. And so just in very, very small dribs and drabs, Frank starts exposing me to very carefully curated, very selected passages from the Bible. I later come to understand that there is such a thing called the Roman's road, where you very, very carefully cherry pick St. Paul's letter to the Romans to cut out all the Catholic parts. (laughs) But this guy, this guy understood. He himself was a former Catholic. He'd been saved from all that. He was sure of how one could go to heaven. He was certain of everything I was not. There was only one thing I needed to do. Oh, great! What's that? What's that, Frank? You've got to get baptized. But Frank, I've already been baptized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was when that was when you were a kid. You you didn't know what was going on. You've got to get baptized. Already been baptized. Like, I, I don't know what I was saying that was so difficult to understand. So I tried speaking more slowly. I tried speaking with greater emphasis. I'm already baptized. And this is where, now, again, at the time, I'm not at all scripturally versed. I don't know theology. I'm a simpleton, even more so than now. (laughs) But Frank doesn't even present me with arguments or theology. He just insists, you have to get baptized, but I've already been baptized. You have to get baptized, but I've already been baptized. Clearly, Theology for the ages. I mean, just really (laughs) high-level stuff. And what I'm hanging my hat on is my vague memory of the creed, which we say every Sunday, and which I've never particularly meant. But by gum, I know it. You know, if... Pressured, I don't know that I could repeat the whole thing, but once you get rolling, absolutely, I can say the whole creed. And we say, at least then, I believe in one baptism. Now it's been changed to confess, but then it was believe. I believe in one baptism for the forgiveness of our sins. You've got to get baptized. I believe in one baptism so frank starts to get a little frustrated with me he's just not making the headway that he's supposed to make i don't know what kind of pressure he's under i don't know if he's got a quota like you have to have this many people baptized per month i don't know so he brings in the pastor (laughs) now this guy hmm, this guy lets you know that it's the late 90s because he's got the Van Dyke. He's got an earring. He could have just walked off the set of ER. <laughs> so we meet in the student union, me and Frank and the pastor. And the pastor says, you got to get baptized. And I say, but I've already been baptized. You got to get baptized, but I've already been baptized. Listen, kid, do you think I like having this earring? No. <laughs> No, I don't. That's how I appeal to the youth. I become all things to all so that some may be saved. Do you think I like having this facial hair? He just called it a goatee, but now I know it was a Van Dyke because it was more than just a chin. No, that's right. But I have this because it appeals to the kids. It's it's all about getting people saved. Now, immediately, I I think, whoa, hang on. That That seems rather inauthentic. But I'm still willing to listen. This guy is the pastor after all. Now I would ask by what authority, but that, but you know, he was the pastor. Okay. But, but, but he didn't make an argument. He didn't say, all right, here's the scriptural verse that says you as a grown-up, have to make a distinct decision to be baptized. Like now, if the exact same thing happened, I would show him, well, Here's Acts of the Apostles. And look, here's Lydia. And she gets baptized and her entire household. It doesn't say and her entire household except for the children. And I point to this other incident where, look, there's these people. They accept the gospel and then they get baptized. Them and their entire household. Again, not them and their entire household except for the kids. And I would talk about Jesus telling them, do not prevent the children from coming unto me. I didn't know any of that then. I just knew. Said it every week. And now again, I'm not a good Catholic. I don't know what the church teaches. I'm not satisfied in the church. I don't know if I'm saved. Spoiler alert, none of us know if we're saved. If you think you're staying secure, watch out. But. But but I knew. We said this every week. It must be important. I believe in one baptism. I believe in one baptism. You've got to get baptized. But I've already been baptized. So eventually, Frank stops calling. And I'm left with... I believe in one baptism. These guys don't. What is it that the church understands that they do not? Now, I don't know. But it can't be nothing. So I go to the campus computing lab and I fire up my, the bright iMac, which they had thousands. And I get on the extremely primitive internet that lived, existed then. And I find a nearby more suburban Catholic church, St. Francis of Assisi, and the next Sunday. I get into my car, I drive a few miles into the suburbs, and I go to a parish that looks much more like my home parish. It's a, it's a big mid-century building. It's not ugly, but it's not beautiful either. There's lots of families. I don't fit in at all. Great. Now, it would be another decade, because really dense, another full decade before the Lord would hit me on the back of the head hard enough for me to wake up and to really come alive. But I knew this is the church that adheres to the creed. The creed must exist for a reason. This is the place where I am supposed to be. Frank and his pastor? I don't think those guys are always honest. I've come to understand that it's its more complicated than that. That we must appeal to all to be winsome. doesn't seem that difficult a thing to me that if you are the pastor of a congregation, if you are an evangelist whose job is to go out and find lost souls and bring them in, it doesn't strike me as an unreasonable barrier to simply explain why when someone says, but I've already been baptized, to explain to them why it is that the baptism they received as a child doesn't count. And only the baptism they receive as a grown-up can matter. And I wish I could find Frank today. Again, his, name, his real name isn't Frank. But he's got a very common name. It'd be extremely difficult to find the man. Although I should really try. And just ask him, why didn't you have an answer? If St. Peter tells us, always be ready to give an answer for the reason for your hope. We have to be ready. Or at least to say, well, I don't know, I'll go ask my pastor. But that guy was no help. With his goatee and his stupid earring. I believe in one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. I know now that baptism isn't a public event. It isn't a sign that says, I have made a decision for Christ. Baptism is an act that imparts faith, that puts to death the old man and raises you to new life in Christ. Once you've been baptized, You're a part of Jesus Christ. You're a part of the infinite God. So you can't exactly be made a part of the infinite God again, because you're part of Jesus. You've died in his death and risen in his resurrection. I know it doesn't look like that, When there's the cute baby and it like cries when father pours the water on its head. But something extraordinary is happening whenever we witness a baptism. And I don't think, I don't suspect that either Frank or his pastor actually understood what it is they were saying that I needed. Did I immediately become a great Catholic? No, I did not. Many years still wandering in the wilderness. Did I immediately understand? No, I did not. But I thank God, on a fairly regular basis, that through week after week after week of stumbling, mumbling, mouthing my way through the creed, more than I thought, had gotten baked in more than I thought had been drilled into me I didn't know why but I believed in one baptism for the forgiveness of sins would I have found my way to the church would I have made that adult decision to no St. Mary's may be weird but I'm going to go find a church I can go to without Frank and his pastor maybe I don't know None of us can ever know. I don't find counterfactuals that interesting because, well, what if this had actually happened? Yeah, but it didn't. So, I hope that one day Frank makes his way back into full communion with the church. I hope that his pastor makes his way back into full communion with the church. I hope that one day we will all be standing around the Lake of Beer with St. Bridget in heaven, having a good laugh about, hey, you remember when you guys tried to re-baptize me? (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) It's, It's this weird little incident of my life. I just I tell people, oh yeah, I had a, I had a few weeks flirtation with evangelical Christianity <laughs>
0: well, there's there, there's so much in there that's interesting to me, Mike not, not least of all that I've been I've been a frank in mm-hmm. not in your life. you know, I was evangelical Christian before I was became Catholic mm-hmm. and i I had my own flirtation with one of those campus groups uh, at one point in like third, I think second or third year of university. I, I had some good friends who were involved and I I went out a couple of times and, and got kind of sucked into a small group that was very fruitful for me for that time in my life. But it was a it was a place where actually I became more Catholic because it was a little Bible study with with four guys. One guy was a little leader. None mm-hmm. of us knew what we were doing or had any kind of training. We'd encountered these verses in our in our study of I think it was First Thessalonians or something. We encountered these verses that we didn't know, understand how to how to unpack, and it occurred to me then. Well, what do we know? Like, what is what is our what is our baseline for how we interpret these? Right. That became a question that would bug me for until I became Catholic and found a kind of baseline in the in the tradition of the church. But we also part of this what was expected of us as a small group was to do these little outreach times, these little evangelization times where we'd go. And often cold call people on campus and say, hey, do you, know, do you know Jesus? Or, hey, are you saved? And I think the weird thing, Mike, was that we knew, it, I don't know if it was explicitly said or just kind of in the, 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 the back of our mind, maybe, that Catholics were easy targets. Because we don't right? know the Bible.
1: Yeah. We don't know anything.
0: Yeah. If somebody was a Catholic, they were an easy target because they were they were misled into believing what they believed. And didn't know, didn't know why or where their beliefs came from. So here we can use this Roman robe. We had we the little pamphlets in the back mm-hmm. of our Bibles <laughs> that we could use to, to talk them through. And it was awful for me because that was not all my personality at all, Mike. I'm not the kind of person who can talk to anybody, let alone during that time in my life. And I'm even more awkward than I am now. Just out of the blue. That's not well, I mean, that's my, the easiest like, thing in the world. <laughs> hey, let's
1: go talk to a stranger <laughs> <Yeah>. about eternity. <laughs> like it's not,
0: it's not my thing. So that was that was awkward. And then at one point we encountered somebody who was like, yeah, you know what? I'm Catholic, and it felt weird to try and steal them, like from mm-hmm. away from away from that. I thought, well, what do we? How do we know that we're right? How do we know that this is what we're saying is? We just left a Bible study all of us four guys where we couldn't understand what we were even studying in the Bible. We couldn't we were pitting verse against verse and it was like, How does this verse fit in this in our in our in our schema? How do we know enough to go evangelize this Catholic out of his out of his
1: faith? It was weird, right? But but someone told you that if you're a follower of Christ, you have to go do this. Yeah. Yeah. But how are they gonna know unless somebody preaches to them? Yeah and how is somebody going to preach to them until unless they're sent. Therefore I send you, but I don't know anything. Just go, you'll be fine. <laughs> no. I, years later, I'm sitting in a was it a Dairy Queen? I don't remember. Let's just say it was a Dairy Queen. And I'm reading my Bible, and there are a group of Jehovah's Witnesses nearby. Oh, JWs. And uh, this is this is after my awakening. I'm I'm serious. I'm you know, hey, I I've been to Jeff Cavin's Bible studies. I know stuff now. <laughs> And I'm reading my Bible, and so one of them, as they're leaving, just comes up to me and says, "Do you know what you're reading? <laughs> do you do you understand what you're reading?" And because I'd heard enough of their conversation to know that they're Jehovah's Witnesses, I simply said, "Yes, I do. Thank you." And off they went. Not because, not because I'm brilliant, but because, like the Ethiopian eunuch. I had asked someone, and they'd explained it to me. I hadn't just picked up the Bible and presumed, all right, well, let's see. We're going to go with that model of Christianity. It's just me and my Bible. Okay, don't know what that means. Don't know what that means. Don't know what that... What the... Okay, that seems to contradict this. Okay, I get what this verse is. Let's go beat someone over the head with it. (laughs) I'm confident that these are people of goodwill, that they're not thinking it that way, but... You guys couldn't decide amongst yourselves what a Bible verse meant and why should you? This is the word of God. It's not up to you to pass judgment on it. That's what the church is for. But suddenly that weight is put on you. And somebody says, you, you've got to go, you've got to go, you've got to explain, you've got to tell, but can't I just tell somebody what Jesus has done in my life? Can't I tell them, OK, guys, you don't even understand how lost I used to be, how unhappy I was, how, how much self-destructive behavior I used to engage in. And then I've met the Lord and he saved me from all of that. can I do that? No, you, you've got to go hit them with this verse. Really? This one? Yes, that's one. OK. Yeah. I guess we will go find somebody to. Let's see. Oh, that's a Baptist. He knows his Bible. No, that's a that's a Presbyterian. He, he might know his Bible no no oh catholic he doesn't know that, yeah that seems weird that seems weird and wrong oh,
0: I, I think the baptism thing too is so interesting as a thing mike because i know in my you know in my experience and, and i can feel for these guys talking to you because we we came from a tradition as evangelical christians where you had to be baptized at in full knowledge of what you were doing as a proclamation that you were following christ that was kind of the 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 reason for being baptized that was the thing, and like like you did, like you did so eloquently, just by stating the fact that you already been baptized.
1: But <laughs> they already been yeah,
0: baptized. Yeah, yeah, you you you, cha- you challenge that preconception that right that idea that you had to be baptized as an an adult, and once you began to, as as you did well, with your one liner. <laughs>
1: I didn't, I didn't even know enough to get myself in trouble. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know this one thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Been baptized. Once you begin to push back. Yeah. You, you, that, that idea, that, that, that preconception, that schema, that, that paradigm that you're holding as an evangelical Christian begins to fall apart. I mean, you, you, you realize that that is an, that is an innovation. That is a thing that is relatively new kind of recently invented the idea that it's just a symbol, right? And you have to be an an adult or old enough to know what you're doing to, to receive that. Like you so eloquently pushed back against that. And they had no, they had no answers. I don't think that, that many people in that position, even the pastor, honestly, even the pastor maybe has thought through what, why do I believe that our denomination believes this? Why,
1: why? So, so you're going out and you're going to explain to people they they didn't say to you, OK, so if they say X, your response is Y. All you had was the initial presentation. Yeah. I, I, huh. I mean, I, I, all these years, I kind of yeah. thought that this was like, I don't know. Again, I don't know who Frank's pastor was and I don't know who <laughs> sent them and what they were doing. If they were a church plant, the Southern Baptists or who I did. I don't know. But so like maybe these guys are just rogue. Yeah. And They don't really know what they're doing, but you're telling me, in all the churches you were in, nobody gave you a "Okay, when they say this, you say that."
0: I don't think. I mean, I maybe, maybe, but I don't. I don't think that 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 it's thought that deeply of. <laughs> you know, it's one of the, one of those things. Like, where did the Bible come from? We got the, we, this is the Bible. This is this oh, is what my, it is, right? Oh. Th- these these things, I think, Mike are just are just assumed, right? And you don't realize. I didn't realize. I think a lot of listeners to the show who encounter these ideas realize that that's actually not what everybody else in the Christian world believes. There's, there's actually other things that are that are believed and actually have been believed longer than than this belief. And I, you know, I had Doug Beaumont on the show who you mentioned before to so talk talk about this topic of baptism, and we we got to the point where he said, like, look, when, when I was an evangelical. I got to this place where I'm just I gathered all the verses that dealt with baptism from the whole the whole Bible, and and sat them down and said, "This goes. This is a wash. There's no there's no advantage. Like n- neither side's advantaged. Adult baptism, child baptism, infant baptism. There, there's no there's no side that wins out clearly. So you have to either admit that well we don't really know, or say that, you know the, the the church is right." Like there's no way of winning as an evangelical the argument that you must be baptized as as an adult versus as an infant, but I don't think that most evangelicals in my experience are doing what doug did that that serious deep dive. I think we inherit this idea that we're evangelical, baptism is a symbol, that's what it is, and go out and 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 baptize people symbolically, right but you. You push back and you realize, wait a second, yeah, where does that come from? He's been baptized already, why? It doesn't count, it can't count, he was an adult, but why doesn't it count? And that begins to, you know, poke poke some holes, I think, in the the narrative. And for you, kind of makes you realize, oh, wait a second, this isn't what I thought it was, or this isn't what I think the church
1: is, right? This is just getting (laughs) wilder and wilder to me. Okay, so... I understand. Catholics are a fairly easy target because most of us are very, very poorly catechized. We don't know our faith. It's a shame. It's a tragedy. It's a scandal. But why is it okay if you've got an inherited tradition that can't stand up to scrutiny to go out and pull someone else away from their inherited tradition that they can't subject to scrutiny? If if all you've got is is that extremely thin veneer of a theology. You know, well, okay, there's this chap named Doug Beaumont, and he's taken these verses and he's put these verses against these other verses. And you know what? He's probably wrong. These are the ones that count. These are the ones. Listen, the word of God is inerrant. Nothing could be mistaken in the word of God. We're just gonna set those aside and pretend they don't exist. I, I don't understand how that works. Okay. Separate issue. Let me ask you this. One of the things I like to do when I'm engaging someone in a discussion. Now, I'm much more interested in exposing people to the joy of living a full Catholic life and letting them know, guys, we can be joyful. We can be happy because blessed are we for all these great things. You know, so. Do I want everyone to come into full communion with the church? Yes, I do. Do I pray every day for the reunion of all Christians? Yes, I do. I don't think it's my job to necessarily go out and poach people from their denomination into Catholicism. If they're interested, if they have questions, totally answer. But whenever I do get into a relative dust up, and it's always friendly, I always ask them about, okay, you believe this, you believe this, you believe this, explain John 6 to me. Talk to me about the sixth chapter of John's gospel. And I have had every interlocutor I've had say, oh, well, we just don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. Is is this unusual? Is that that, that, that a real question? Should I I answer that? In in the (laughs) churches you were in, did they wrestle with, all right, so Jesus says, unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you don't have life within you. And then he says again, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then he says again, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then the Greek changes. And he says, you have to really gnaw on my flesh. <laughs> but I guess if you've got a, if you've got just, this is the tradition we've received. We ignore everything else. We just go on.
0: That's a good question, Mike. And I think I can't think of hearing a sermon ever on, on John 6. And in fact, one thing that that bugged me, that bugged me quite early on in in my well before I became Catholic, was was hearing, and this was not infrequent, was visiting a church during communion if I happened to be there on the right Sunday, because it would be one Sunday a month as part of the. Which, as a Catholic now, Mike, it's hard to imagine how this is not because it's, it's the central thing of the of of, of a mass. To imagine this tacked on again as a symbol once once a month. It's a strange, it's a strange paradigm.
1: <laughs> and like how biblically do you justify doing it once a month? Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm not familiar with the verse that says, and they gathered one Sunday out of every four to celebrate <laughs> the Lord's Supper. Like maybe it's in there. Maybe it's I bet it's right alongside the table of contents verse. They're <laughs> side by side. Yeah. It was, I, mean, I know they're in there. They must be in there,
0: well, I mean, that's no an, one can tell yeah, me where yeah, they are. Yeah. Well, that's an aside Sorry. because <laughs> again, one of the very early things that first piqued me to Catholicism was actually looking at a mass versus my random evangelical Sunday morning service. Like, and I said, wait a second, what? where does, where does my Sunday morning service come from exactly versus where does the mass come from? And that a, a decade or more before I became Catholic, I was thinking of that that thought, and I thought, well, this is weird, and and, and put it aside. But back to the communion thing, I mean, I was saying before, what bothered me again early on mm-hmm. was hearing a, a a pastor during communion read from Corinthians, read Paul's words, and change Paul's
1: words well,
0: to what? say, sit down, Mike, <laughs> to say, this is like my body. This is like my blood, that even as a non-Catholic Christian was low-level scandal for me, right? Because I thought he—that's not what Paul wrote, and I understand that we believe it's a symbol. I didn't yet understand why we believe that, or why, or even realize that others believe differently. But I thought, wait a minute—that's not what Paul's writing. We and we can't just change that, even if. That's what we believe it is. And we're trying to clarify for people who might not know in the pews. We, we can't do that. That that felt wrong to me. Right. Don't, don't, don't get angry. No, no, no. I'm
1: just, I'm going to just, I, I, I always like to make a very unusual move for a Catholic. Let's go to the Bible. So I've got, I've got the book of revelation here. Blessed is he who reads aloud the words of the prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written therein for the time is near and who keep what is written therein not and who decide to riff on what is <laughs> within who decide to, you know, insert words or change the meaning. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written therein. <laughs> but, You got a good point. I know, I know, I know that you were a really, really sincere guy. You were seeking for truth and you were befuddled because you you weren't finding it because you couldn't get the answers you wanted to your questions. And the only place you could find them are in the fullness of the Catholic church, which is what eventually led you on your journey. But I, I guess what I'm not understanding is... Not all the guys in your small group came with you. know yep. Not every pastor you worked for or worshipped under has come with you. But surely they heard the questions that you were asking, and you know they struggled to give you answers, and they received that you weren't satisfied with their answers. And this this didn't raise <laughs> questions for them. <laughs> Like, I, 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 I know that the beautiful story you tell of you know, a pastor you were working for asked you, What's more important, the Bible or tradition? And it started you on a tremendous journey. We, of course, knowing that the Bible, sacred scripture, is a part of the tradition. The tradition is both written, which we call scripture, and unwritten, which we call capital T tradition. The church is the pillar and bulwark of the truth. The Bible says that the church is the pillar and bulwark of the church. That one's on my mind because I recently ran a quiz night, a trivia night at my parish. And um, the bookkeeper from our sister parish was there with her parents, and she's a convert. So they, they were Protestants, and they were doing extremely well in the, that particular Bible trivia part of the quiz. As well versed as they are, they didn't know Paul's words to Timothy, that it is the church that is the pillar and bulwark of truth. I guess I just I don't understand You know, having having been extremely dense myself being still occasionally extremely dense, not understanding things and sometimes being bizarrely uncurious. But having been convicted on so many occasions, often daily, to not my will, but thine be done, to follow the Lord wherever he leads. I, I, I don't like when I don't know, I don't not know something. I like trivia because I like knowing things. I don't understand what would stop a person when they're asking, when they hear the kinds of questions you're asking. From going, huh? That is a good question. <laughs> I I don't understand why the best Frank and his pastor could do were to insist that I had to get baptized. Now, maybe if they'd gone back to their, you know, their, their evangelical seminary, a professor there would have had a much better answer. You know, as long as he hadn't done the Beaumont thing and put all the verses against each other, he just cherry picked from the good ones. But we have to be able to provide a reason for our hope. That That's not an optional thing. That is, that is a requirement of the sacred scripture. And if I don't know, because there are a lot of things I don't know, I will go try to find someone more knowledgeable than myself. Or I will say, well, according to this guy, this is what it means. That sounds right. I don't understand how you can be confronted with the questions and just say, huh. Yeah, that's a thing. All right, <laughs> let's keep poaching. I'm perplexed. Yeah, yeah. I'm genuinely perplexed. Yeah,
0: yeah. You, you make good. You make good points. <laughs> I know. You make good points. I know. They're amazing. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. I mean, I think the 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 cool thing and the bit of backstory. I may have told this before to that pastor who first got me on the journey. Is that years later I met a guy. Randomly, the only Catholic person that was a convert in the town that I was, that people said, "Oh, you're a convert too. You should meet, you should meet this guy." Ended up it's being a union. Yeah, yeah. Ended up being one of the good friends of this pastor who was at seminary with him. So this pastor that I that I knew and was working for was at seminary, asking these questions of his own catholic heritage because he was baptized catholic and raised catholic now a non-denominational pastor i was the intern he was coming back to the next day after night class bouncing these questions off of and you know messing me up the other guy who was with him in that seminary who was also asking those questions later became catholic i met him years later as oh here's a convert you should meet and we put the pieces together and realized that this guy this pastor was in the middle and asking questions to both of us on two sides this pastor like you say i don't know why hasn't become catholic yet hasn't actually started catholic hasn't gone to confession yet and been and been received back into the church and in, in you know full communion
1: he remains a schismatic
0: a, pastoring a church in a warehouse somewhere in, <laughs> in eastern northeastern canada eastern canada Awesome guy. We're still we're still Facebook friends. I rib him once in a while when he quotes out of context a church father. I add the context to his to his <laughs> Facebook status, much to his chagrin. And my and my wife's like, "Come on, don't bug him, don't bug him." But you know, it's one of the, it's no, it's no, one no. of those.
1: It's, I'm bugging him in charity. Yeah,
0: I am. That's what I, I want him to know the fullness of the truth. Yeah, it's one of, it's one of those things. You know those those stories that I mean, uh, I think, and I I want to want I want wonder your your view too on this because. You say Frank was an ex Catholic, right? These and there's so many of these guys floating around who are quote unquote ex Catholics who think they know the faith they left. You mentioned in your eloquent bio well, that, ev- the, the every, poor catechism, right? That everybody's meant,
1: favorite you know. everybody's favorite qualification on social media. Well, I went to twelve years of Catholic <laughs> yeah. school. Yeah. Yeah. Therefore, whatever heresy I'm about to spout must be correct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, right? So I mean it's one of those things that in some of these cases, I think the case, of this pastor in particular, I'm thinking the case of, of your good friend, Frank and his past, and his pastor, we, 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 the Holy spirit plays a role that we cannot play. Right. Like I, 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 I we go so far as, as far as we can go. I can't push someone to convert. I can't give them the most winsome, the best arguments I can muster from the catechism. Like I can memorize the whole thing cover to cover, Right. But it's that's not our role. That's not what we're meant to do. There's a there's a a place in there for the Ethiopian eunuch to actually read the Bible himself after it's explained and then begin to understand through the Holy Spirit. Right.
1: When we when we really begin to take seriously what God has given us, that one plants and other waters. Yeah. Yes, but it's yeah. God who causes the growth. Yeah. The, the economy of salvation is bigger than any of us can understand. You know, you have to be the, the infinite mind of God. But would I be where I'm sitting today? Would I be the slouching towards holiness Catholic that I am today if it hadn't been for Frank? God, jeez. <laughs> you know, not, not ever, not God's will that anyone should be separated from his church. But The Lord chastises those he loves. So all of this separation, all of these individual pieces, the only way these divisions in Christianity can persist are because in some way that we can't understand, they serve the will of God. Now, maybe it is to do what Frank did for me. Because... If he hadn't been there, if he hadn't asked me, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Who would have come along? Maybe I would have become a Hare Krishna. (laughs) Dancing and beating my tambourine at an airport. We don't know. But because Frank presented me with that question, because he had his very thin schema that couldn't withstand even my really poorly catechized prodding. (laughs) couldn't answer the most elementary questions. I made the first adult decision to remain in the church. And I mean, and it's been a, it's been a heck of a ride since then, (laughs) you know, but when we meet these challenges, when we're presented with difficulties, what is it, what is it? John Henry Newman said, 10,000 difficulties don't add up to one doubt, You have to know something before you can actually doubt it. So many of us mistake a difficulty for a doubt. They say, well, I don't understand this. Therefore, it must not be true. What do you know? You don't know anything. (laughs) You don't understand anything about your faith. Well, but I went to 12 years of Catholic school. Mm. Yes, you were part of the diabolical masterpiece of terrible Catholic education. Where people were, it's, it's just like in school. It almost seems designed to make people hate great books. <laughs> All right, here's a literary classic. We're going to spend the next six weeks on this. By the end of it, you'll hate it. <laughs> it doesn't make you fall in love with literature. And we do the same. So many of our Catholic schools, I, I went to public school. I don't have 1st experience. I only know the fruits. So many of our Catholic schools almost seem designed to set people up, to become frank or to become people that he successfully poaches. But, even amidst that, the Lord in his providence still sets up people to say, but wait, the creed says this. The creed says I believe in one baptism. Why would we say that if it's not true? And that's then the opening. And, If you're being equipped by the Holy Spirit, if you're being directed by the Holy Spirit, we know that when challenged, you'll be given the words. Now, this is not to say, I don't have to do anything. I just have to, you know, don't worry. God will give me the words. You know you're talking about martyrdom, right? Yeah, but it'll happen in all situations. We have to prepare. We have to fit ourselves. But when it comes to the moment of decision, when it comes to something that is truly important, something that affects someone's eternal destiny, if God wants it to happen, he'll give you the words. And so... I thank him for the fact that you've got these guys. They're well-meaning. I don't mean to paint them as villains. You know, they're, they're bumblers more than anything else. But if the Lord wanted me to be anywhere else, he would have given me someone who had an answer. And he did. He gave me the church and the repetition of, if you hear something once, you're totally going to forget it. If you hear it twice, there's a small chance you're going to remember If you hear it three times, you might remember that you heard it, but if you hear it every week, if you recite it every week without knowing it at all, you'll know it. Mm-hmm. It'll be in your bones. It'll be in your heart. When I finally had my awakening in my you know, ten years later in my early thirties, a line from First John came to mind. Gun to my head, I could not have found it in the Bible, but somewhere I'd heard it every th- every three years. I'd heard it at mass. If you say you love God, but you hate your brother. You're a liar. And through that repetition of hearing it, God bless the three-year cycle of readings, hearing it every three years, it had stuck in there. We're dumb. We're all really stupid. We think that we're smart, and that's only because we're dumb. God is brilliant. And we've got these little pea brains, and we go around thinking, eh, we're so great. So in his mercy, he repeats things because we're slow. And he repeats them again and again. He tells us, do not be afraid. Why? Because we don't learn. Do not be afraid, I will take care of you. I don't know if God's gonna take care of me, I'm pretty afraid. Do not be afraid, I will take care of you. I wonder if God will take care of me, I'm pretty afraid. Do not be afraid, I will take care of you. Hey, eventually we get it. <laughs> it's Puzzles that I can't solve annoy me. I can't unravel the puzzle of why you can believe enough to go out and preach the word. Why you will follow God that far, but you won't follow him all the way. I've accepted this much of Christianity, and this is as far as I go. Maybe because I told myself this is all there is. But people are asking questions and they're saying, but there's more. How does this fit with this? We know that scripture can't contradict itself. So how do these two things fit together? God is calling us to go deeper. No, I'm good. Jesus literally says, cast out into the deep. Hey, why don't you guys throw your nets over here? Well, you know, that's worked every other time. No, I'm going to stay right here. Lord, listen, I will totally follow you. I just I just need to go bury my dad. No. <laughs>
0: <sighs> Somebody right now is going, Mike, you're really convicting me. Well, this is bad. This is-
1: <laughs> and I love, you know. We, we uh, should be convicted because yeah. every one of us is called to be a saint. It's not just for the few. You know, we are called to there we are called to nothing less than perfect union with god you keith little are an eternal being with an eternal destiny and that eternal destiny is perfect union with the creator of the universe Amen. the god who makes black holes holy smokes what is that <laughs> You know, puts them at the center of galaxies. We, when I was a kid, we didn't know what black holes were. Now apparently there's one at the center of every galaxy. Holy smokes. It's amazing. That God knows every hair on your head. You know, even after my giant forehead. (laughs) And he wants, he wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. And he wants you to know yourself. Because we believe these ridiculous, horrible, stupid lies about ourselves. Eh, I'm no good. That was probably a mistake. Eh, whatever. No, no. When you were in your mother's womb, He knew you. When you were being made in the secret places of the earth. For- yeah, you know, when. <laughs> This Irish girl met this Irish boy and they decided, hey, we're gonna die of a we're gonna die of a potato famine. Let's get out of here. All of that culminating in you, culminating in me. None of us are accidents. None of us are random. And <laughs> I'm doing a Bible study of Revelation now, so it's it's on my mind. If you're gonna be cold, just be cold. Don't be lukewarm. There is nothing worse. Because at least if you're if you're if you're a vociferous enemy of God, He can work with that. Because at least an enemy is invested in you. It's when people say, eh, "Whatever, okay, well, are you happy with your life?" Oh no, not at all. Do you think maybe you should make some changes? Yeah, probably. Do you want to make some changes? Nah, I'm gonna stay the way I am. <laughs> <clears throat> People are exhausting, Keith. They're just exhausting, <laughs> and, because I'm not yet a saint, so I find people exhausting.
0: <laughs> that's important, caveat. Okay. <laughs> okay, I promise. I promise this question, and and then we can uh, lean towards the the conclusion. How do we fix the church,
1: Mike? Real simple. Personal holiness. Ah, oh, good one. If your every thought is how do I do in this moment the will of God? You will become a saint. If at the end of every day, you take a look at your day, not in a way of, okay, I'm going to just ignore the bad. I'm only going to focus on the good. Man, I am so clever. I'm so talented. I'm brilliant. I'm amazing. But instead, you face the honesty of, okay, here's where I lost my temper. Here's where I could have been more kind. Here's where I probably should have given the bum five bucks. personal holiness, because there is nothing I can do to make the Vatican make sense. There is nothing I can do to stop the German bishops from their wild project. All I can do is be the saint that God has created me to be. What did St. Catherine of Siena say? Become what you were made to be, and you will set the world on fire. And it's the good kind of fire, not the bad kind of fire. Be a St. Keith. Pray for yourself. Pray for your kids. Pray for your wife. Make your domestic church a beacon of light in the darkness. So that when people look at your family, they see God. They see the holy family in every moment, ask, is what I'm doing now drawing me closer to God, conforming me to the image of Christ, or is it drawing me away from God, deforming the image of Christ? And there is no decision in your day that cannot be subjected to that rubric. Do I buy this or do I put the money, do I give the money to the missionaries of charity? Do I need another streaming service? Do I need a better car? Should I drink a second beer? Should I stop drinking pop and only drink water? Should I turn off the news because nothing coming out of Washington or coming out of Ottawa is making me happier? All you can do, ultimately, is relentlessly... And ruthlessly seek holiness. Whatever is in your life that is an obstacle to God, cut it out. The Lord speaks in hyperbole. What did Flannery O'Connor say? When you're dealing with the blind, you have to draw on big figures or something like that. The Lord speaks in hyperbole. He says, cut off your hand, gouge out your eye, because we're all just sitting here. Ignoring the world crumbling around us. It was true in his time. It's true in our time. Be a saint. And if every one of us does that, if everyone listening to this podcast dedicates themselves single-mindedly to being a saint, that will spread a wave of holiness throughout the world. And the people who see them, who are convicted by their personal witness, If they dedicate themselves to being saints, the people who see them will be convicted. And they'll dedicate themselves to being saints. And person to person, moment to moment, the reign of God spreads. The kingdom of the evil one retreats. The kingdom of God comes into full bloom. It's not a program. It's not a Bible study. Now, programs are good. Bible studies are good. It's not a curial reform, although those are needed, too. It's not a big diocesan jamboree, though I love diocesan jamborees. It's the relentless pursuit of being the saint God made you to be. There is meant to be, if the world should endure, one day a St. Keith Little parish. Now, I don't know where it's going to (laughs) be. I don't know if it'll be in... Sub Saharan Africa, it'll be all, it'll will be on Mars. I'm hoping Mars. Honestly. That would be awesome. Yeah. every one of us is meant to be a saint. We are created to be saints. That's why Paul is always saying, hi to the saints in this place. Just like you're say, you say the cordial Catholic is aspirational. We are saints because that's what we are trying to be. That's how we fix the church.
0: <laughs> and you didn't have a good answer for that one, Mike. That's why I brought it to oh, you, to, to your mm-hmm. feet. Mm-hmm. that's fantastic <laughs> that's well said Mike I promised a a, a big tent revival here this week on the show and I think you've delivered Mike so thank you well, for that
1: you are very welcome it's a privilege <laughs> I want to ask
0: you uh, have you thought of being Jimmy Aiken for Halloween this year by any chance
1: I have the issue is Jimmy is really good at the intermediate fasting so he's <laughs> dropped a lot of weight I am not good at <laughs> intermittent fasting so at present I am too large to be Jimmy Aiken for <laughs> Easter or Halloween. What I could do, I could say, hi, I'm Jimmy Aiken from 2010. I could pull that off. Oh, but that's getting that's getting real into the weeds for Halloween costumes.
0: I'd, I'd, I'd know who you're being. I'd, yo, That's 2010 to me. All right. <laughs> All right I,
1: will, I will get a cowboy hat and start working on my uh, square dance calling. Oh, Mike. This has been a, real, <laughs> been a real pleasure. I never want anyone to come away from meeting me without their life being improved a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. If nothing else, they can laugh and point and say, phew, at least I'm not that guy. <laughs>
0: There's something to aspire to. Mike, uh, people are going to want to clamor to find more of you, to follow you, to to hear you, to see you in different places, because uh, you're, you're fantastic. I'll be honest, it's been a real pleasure. And I'm already thinking in my head, I'm already planning ahead, what else can we talk about on the show? Uh, repeat episodes, a, a series, just let you let you loose on the cordial of a Catholic audience. Uh, week after week, a regular Mike
1: says. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. You can't do it more than once a month. That's a, it's just like communion. Yeah. I don't know why, but it can only happen <laughs> once a month.
0: You are also only symbolic.
1: Where, where can people go to to
0: find out to 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 follow you to find you in different places? I, I, honestly, Mike, I was I I fell off the chair earlier tonight looking you up and found that you had a blog you've had since two thousand and two. I think you're probably the last person still blogging, Mike. But
1: yeah, now power now, to you. Cool kids, now yeah. all the cool kids blog at a Substack.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I' the person
1: using blogspot yeah
0: power power to keep them business I think
1: like, where can <laughs> well, people, where do you want to point them towards? So the most important thing is to go to the YouTubes yes you know, I tend to listen to the cordial Catholic but maybe you are watching this episode and have the privilege of seeing my magnificent plumage. <laughs> so, so what you want to do is go up to the little search bar and put in the popish plot. You're going to come up with some weird videos about a historical event from the 1600s and then other videos showing three idiots sitting next to each other (laughs) with giant smiles on their faces. That's the YouTube channel. Immediately subscribe to the Popish Plot and tell everyone you know. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Just go over to people's houses. (laughs) Access their computer. Go to YouTube. Put it on autoplay and just run the episodes over and over and over again. We used to have a podcast where we'd take the audio from our videos. We called it the the Popish Plotcast. One of our viewers came up with that. It hasn't been updated since April, but who knows? By the time this goes out, probably not, but maybe it'll be back up and running again. Um, you can follow us on the Twitters at at the Popish Plot, and you can follow me personally at Memento Mori Mike. <laughs>
0: that's amazing that's and, and it's it's all good stuff it's actually illegal in canada to break into a house to put on youtube on autoplay It's, it's an exception to the law i'm not you know, saying break it i'm saying property. get invited into people oh i thought you would eat. just go in and just,
1: <laughs> well everyone knows in. the doors aren't even locked in canada no so no can no just you, walk you can, you can house. just walk in
0: and put on youtube yeah. on autoplay mm-hmm. I recommend that in later YouTube. later in the night too especially because then youtube.ca gets their attention it's actually
1: youtube.com still it's, it's the same the same we rule the internet in Canada. <laughs> you know? uh, well, and, of course, you know, you and I are a relative stone's throw away from each other, whereas we're both from vast countries, so we have yeah. countrymen who are much further away. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm going to go actually do it right after we finish this and throw a stone in and see if I can hit you in the head. <laughs> I shouldn't joke because my forehead also is enormous, Mike. Like, you know, this is. The hair is it's like comb forward departing backwards. So mm-hmm. we can aim for each other's respective giant foreheads and see if I we can a, if we can uh, make a, I, I got a, a big third. Irish
1: head, it's a big target.
0: Yeah, yeah. That sounds, that sounds great. Mike, I'll put links to those places in the show notes as well too, of course. Yeah. The YouTube channel is just an absolute treat. It's, it's, it's chaotic. It's amazing. It's informative. It's everything I love about everything.
1: It's evangelization it's, through joy. It's amazing.
0: It absolutely is. So thanks for doing that and that ministry. I want to say, God bless you in those, the things that you are doing. I mean, this is, it's awesome, Mike, and you're a great guy. And I'm happy to meet you online and and virtually, maybe someday in person, that'd be fantastic. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for your time today. Thank you for gracing the audience with this big tent revival we had up in here. I appreciate you telling the your story. and genuine privilege. Being on here. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. It was a real, real good
1: time. And, and Keith, give yourself some credit. If you're only faking being cordial, you fake it very, very well. They
0: say that. They say that, Mike. And then, I don't know. They don't know me. <laughs>
1: We get we get to sanitize, Keith. It's great. Thanks, Mike. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Keep you up too. the good work.
0: Thank you. You know when your face hurts from smiling and laughing too much? Well, that's what I feel right now after talking to Mike Wilson for an hour and a bit. What a fantastic conversation. I hope that you are as energized as I am after that conversation. I got to have him back on some kind of topic because what a wonderful guy. What a great conversation. What a fantastic story. What an awesome human being. (laughs) Hopefully you enjoyed that too. Our website is thecordialcatholic.com for show notes, my blog, and things that we're up to. You can find that there. We're on Twitter and Instagram at CordialCatholic. Catholic on TikTok, the Cordial Catholic, and on Facebook at the Cordial Catholic. Your feedback can come to CordialCatholic at gmail.com. I promise you I'll get back to it as soon as I humanly possibly can. It's building up a little bit these days, but I will get back to people as soon as I can. I love hearing from listeners. That really is a joy that really drives me to keep doing this thing honestly hearing feedback what you guys like what you don't like what i can improve and the stories of people who are touched by guests on this show that is so rewarding so thank you for your email feedback as well if you feel led to support this show financially it does help it goes a long way to making this thing possible week after week head over to patreon.com slash cordial catholic or paypal.me slash cordial catholic for one-time donations Thanks, friends. Know that I'm praying for you. Please pray for me too. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing this. Thanks for your ratings and your reviews. Thanks for listening, guys. Tell a friend, hey, break into their house like Mike suggested and put the podcast, put the YouTube channel on, autoplay, let it go. They'll love it. I promise you, no trouble at all. Great idea. Thanks, guys. Talk to you again next week. Take care and God bless.